You're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast. Remain standing. I'm going to read a little bit from Genesis, the first chapter, Genesis 1, starting at verse 26. We're going to go down to verse 31. Genesis 1, starting at verse 26. And I believe I'm reading here from the King James Version. I generally try to grab the New King James, but I think I'm reading here from the King James. And it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. That means bring it under your control and make it work for you. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth. And every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth. And to every fowl of the air. And to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. Here's the emphasis verse 31. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was, what? It was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. You can have your seats. I want to speak to you today from the subject, good things faith. Good things faith. Those of you who've been part of this ministry for years and, and been under my teaching for a while, uh, if, you, if you really listen, I, tell, I keep teaching the same thing over and over again. I repackage it. Repackage it with different scriptures and repackage it with a different subject. And if I, was to, if I could ever pull up all my notes, and for, probably for the last three or four, maybe the last four years, all of my notes now are in Google Docs. So I can, every message and every lesson I ever teach, I can pull it up. But I got, my goodness, 30 years before that of, of preaching and teaching. But particularly over the history of this ministry, I've taught various faith messages. You've heard about faith for increase. You've heard about faith for healing. You've heard about faith for your family. Amen? Uh, some of you can maybe shout some other faith messages that I, that I preach. Because I've discovered that faith is like a gun. It will hit, shoot, impact wherever you target it. Faith is an instrument that God has given us to believe. 
First of all, to believe him. And then the Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, that when we come to God, we, when we come, we must believe that he is, number one, that he exists, and number two, that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. God said, don't, don't even set up the meeting with me. Don't get on your knees and pray. Don't come and ask me anything if you don't first believe. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. I have to first believe that he is, and secondly, that what he's what? Come on, come on. Secondly, he's what? He's a rewarder. Rewarder means he wants to give you something. Now, you'll be surprised the people who believe that God is, but they're not expecting him to give them anything. For some reason, I woke up this morning thinking about our, uh, my, my, my aunt uh, was over the house yesterday, and she was telling her grandchildren from New Jersey who she wanted to bring by a house so they could enjoy my stuff. <laughs> boy, boy, they, boy was trying to ask me. He said, uh, I opened up, I, I, I put my, my, my uh, basketball goal up, and I had to go in my garage. Then he opened up my, he saw my garage. He said, oh, you got a golf cart in there. You mind if I take that golf cart for a spin? I said, no, we won't be doing that today. Went and take my out by the boat. He wanted to go go swimming in the lake. Said he said he wanted to go swim in the lake until he saw the lake. <laughs> but while I was at the lake, he saw my jet skis. It can, it can take for I said, no, we won't be doing the jet skis today. Okay. Um, but see, I got off track. Okay. Uh, but I was I was telling them he, he was he was looking around. I took him for a ride, and they were and uh, one, one of the young men, he said, When did you determine? When did you decide what you're going to do? And I started telling him God decided what I was going to do. Okay. And then when I was thinking about him, I was also thinking about one of our original members. I woke up thinking about him one because she told them. That's what my aunt told him. He said, "Oh, he started. He said he started. They started the church with four people." And I said, "Well, I thought about. It. I said it was ten, but the four was the four was four others in addition to my family, and one of them." who originally started with us, I, I even called him up, tried to invite him to come to our dedication service, wanted him to be part of this. But I remember speaking to Bob uh, in the early days, and I said, and he was a, big, he was a fisherman. He, he loved to go fishing. And so uh, I said, and he would, he, he, when he started, we started the church, he said, now, uh, pastor, going to be some Sundays I ain't here because I'm part of a fishing club, and we go fishing. I said, no problem. And uh, so he, he liked fishing. I said, why don't you, why don't you get a boat? He had money, but he said, oh, no, 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 can't, can't get a boat. I said, oh, no. I got a whole lot of things I can, you know, I just, I just want to have a healthy child and blah, blah, and in and, and some kind of way where he was, at least at that time, I don't know, this is 28 years later now, at that time, he felt that in some type of way, it was something wrong with believing God for a boat. Some of y'all think there's something wrong with believing God for a boat. But I want you to understand that God wants to give you good things. And faith works wherever you target it. Someone asked me, and I'm so glad, that a young man came up to me, he said, Bishop, you always talk about the word of faith. What is the word of faith? I'm so glad he asked. I said, how many other people, he was young, he's young and humble enough to ask. I use that term all the time, and some of you don't know what it means. Okay, let me show you what it means. Go to Romans 10. 
Go to Romans 10. Let's start around verse 8. It's not in my notes. Flow with me. Romans 10. Let's start around verse 8. Praise the Lord. We're going to go to Romans 10. And we're going to start around verse 8. Okay, here we go. But what does it say? The word is near you, or King James is nigh you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is what? The word of faith which we preach. I want y'all to say I'm a word of faith preacher. I don't have a problem with that. I got word for it. I got, I got background from it in the word. The word of Paul preached the word of faith. He said the word of faith which we preach. And then he tells them what the word of faith is and how the word of faith works. Keep going, verse 9. That, this is how the word of faith works. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now watch this. He's saying this is how the word of faith works regarding you getting saved. You confess it with your mouth, you believe in your heart, and what? You'll be saved. So he's saying when you take the word and target it towards salvation, you can be saved. And that word salvation, the Greek word is soteria, which means wholeness, which means good things and good stuff. Means nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. Keep going on, keep going. And in verse 10, now he explains again, breaking down how this word of faith works. This, for with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, his confession is made unto salvation. So the, how the word of faith works, I hear the word, I believe the word with my heart, then I start speaking that word with my mouth, and it brings about manifestation in my life. Are y'all hearing me here? So when someone says, well, what's this word of faith? Word of faith means I read God's word, I hear God's word, I believe God's word, I speak God's word, I believe God's word, and I see God's word. Oh, man, that, that, that was worth coming to church for right there. And God wants you to use the word of faith and take faith, put it in your mouth, and target it towards whatever you're believing God for. And today I'm talking about targeting your faith for good things. Are y'all hearing me? Because when God started the earth off, as we see from the text in Genesis, God intended that things be good for man. God intended for man to enjoy good things. Come on, say it. Say it. You're probably going to say it several times this minute. But say it with me. Say, I'm, I'm supposed to enjoy good things. Now, for those of you who had a little problem saying it, come on, push through and really say it. Say, I'm supposed to have some good things, and I'm supposed to enjoy good things. Now, as much as those of you here part of this church that heard me preach can receive that, there's a lot of people got a problem with that. There's some people who think life is supposed to be hard, and we're supposed to struggle, and we're, the, we're supposed to be singing all my life, I'm coming up on the rough side of the mountain. I got the hold to God's his It's all right, because y'all ain't coming to the rough side no more. Y'all better go ahead right direction. We don't even know that song, Pastor. <laughs> Reverend Luther Barnes, 
who I had the privilege of meeting one now, had to preach in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. And the pastor said to me, this is Luther Barnes here. I said, rough side of the mountain? He said, yeah. I said, good to meet you. And I walked up, said, I'm come. He said, I ain't coming up. He said, it ain't rough no more. I said, you better go ahead, Luther. No, that's what he told me. He said, no, no. He said, it ain't rough no more. It was rough when I came up. But y'all more than that song enough. <laughs> you know, sang it enough. It ain't rough no more. Look, somebody say, it ain't supposed to be rough all my life. So even if you started off rough, it ain't supposed to stay rough. My God, somebody need to receive this right now. God's smoothing something out right now. God's smoothing something out in my life right now. God is smoothing something out in your life right now. It ain't always going to be rough. God started man off with good things. When we look at Genesis, the first chapter, okay? Let's, let me just quickly give you a synopsis of Genesis 1 before we, even get to, uh, before we even get to the text there. In Genesis 1, we see that the light was good. In Genesis 1 and verse 10, we see the land and the seas was good. In Genesis 1 and verse 12, we see that the grass, the trees, the fruit, and the seed, and all the vegetation, it was good. When we get down to Genesis 1 and, and verse 18, we see that the sun and the stars, God said it was good. When we get down to verse 21, we see the sea creatures, the fish, and the birds, and it was all good. And then we get down to Genesis 1.25. We see about all the animals and all the insects. And God says it was good. And then after that, after God spent, spent all these days creating good things, I, I want you to catch this, he created good things for us. You want to catch this? He created all these good things, then he created man. You need to catch that. He created all these good things, then he created man. He didn't create man, then he created good things. He created all good things, then he created man. Why? Because when, from the foundation of the world, man was supposed to enjoy good things. Oh, somebody need to receive this word today. Come on, say it again. Say, I'm supposed to enjoy good things. So then verse 30, when he creates man, and then after he created man, Genesis 1.31, he says, he created mankind, and now it, it, it gets better, y'all. He said, it was very good. We even see, I'm not sure if I put it in there, uh, uh, we even see it goes, one of the things it says, and God created man and put him in the, in the garden, and then he talks about the water, he talks about the resources, and then he even says there, because it, it stood out to me many years ago, he said, and the gold in the land was good. Mm. The gold was good, starting off. Man wasn't in lack, the gold was good. 1 Timothy 6.17, another one of my favorite scriptures, where I was talking about us being a philanthropist, which means someone who has to help others have, someone who's blessed to bless other people is what a philanthropist does. He take, they take their resources and better and empower and help other people to lives to come up to another level. Well, God wants all his people, I need you to receive that. God wants all his people to be philanthropists. 
Okay, they don't receive it over there. Maybe just this two sections here. God wants this sec, these two sections right here, God wants you to have enough to be a philanthropist. Y'all receive it too? God wants y'all to be philanthropists. God wants y'all to be philanthropists. That means you're supposed to have enough to help somebody else and bless somebody else. And you can't bless somebody else if you are broke, busted, and disgusted yourself. So the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 17, he said, charge them. Paul tells Timothy, he said that, he said that God's going to raise up people. God's going to bless people. He says to the church the right direction. He said, charge them who are rich in this world's goods or in this present age. Now, and the reason why he's saying is that, because he's saying, I'm not talking about when you get to heaven, I'm going to be rich. And I'm going to walk around. I'm gonna, every day going to be like Sunday. No, he said, we ain't talking about that. We're not talking about by and by when the morning comes and, and, and the streets are gold. And by the way, y'all, by, by the way, you know, we, we've been hearing for years that the streets of heaven are paved with gold. How many of y'all heard that? How many of y'all heard that? Can I tell you, read the word. The streets of heaven, the, the, the streets of New Jerusalem is not paved with gold. The streets are gold. Paved with gold means gold-plated. God don't have no gold-plated stuff. He got gold stuff. Come on now. Come on. I, I, you, you need to catch it. So he says, 1 Timothy 6, 17, charges them, command them to the rich in this world, that they be not haughty. That means don't be high-minded. Don't be smelling yourself. Don't think you all that because you got to lose something, something. He said, nor do you trust in uncertain riches. He said, because when you put your trust in money, money will disappoint you. He said, but rather we trust in the living God. Look at the next part. Who does what? Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. I, I, every time I read that scripture, I just get, I get excited, I get happy, because, because uh, that's a place I had to get to in life. When, when you come from the poverty that I came from, and then, and then you, com, you, you take the poverty of the, of the hood and the inner city and the urban, whatever you want to call it, and I discovered, <laughs> I, I, I discovered poor is poor and broke is broke whether you're in the city or the field. That's why God said, I'll bless you in the city and in the field, because both of y'all need my blessing. Okay? People up north, y'all don't, you don't know what poverty is until you live in the projects. No, I done been down some country. I didn't know what poverty was until I saw the country. Okay? And so the whole thing, the, the only thing in the urban area, you just got more of it, you, you got a bit more of it compounded in one area, which is why I've been meditating on this, y'all. A lot of y'all grew up down here, and your parents grew up, and y'all were poor. But I heard this all the time, but we didn't know we was poor. How, how many of y'all were poor, but you didn't know you was poor? And a lot of the time, we didn't know you wasn't poor because you didn't really have yourself nobody to compare it to because that next house was a mile down the street. When, you, when all y'all poor right here in this project, we know we poor. We see it all around us. But when you're not as close up on it, sometimes you don't know because you're not comparing or seeing yourself. And every day when I was growing up, I grew up in a poor place and walked through a place that, I'm not going to say they were rich, but they had far more than we had. And so I could quickly distinguish. And then, so, and then, you, then, and then you, when you grow up in a religious background, you hear stuff like, you know, and, and, and we came up with songs about it. I'd rather have Jesus than what? Which makes it sound like you got to make a choice. You got to have, you either going to get Jesus or you're going to have silver or gold. 
Uh, you got to make Jesus your choice. You got to forsake this world's goods. And so in some type of way, with that type of psychology, you start thinking that there's something wrong with having good things. So I had to get my mind renewed. Because people will say stuff, when you got something nice, they would say, what you need that for? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, why, why you need a Mercedes? Well, why you need that? Why you need a house that big? Why you need, and then so, you need, you need to have some answers when folks come with that stuff. The answer's right here in the scripture. 1 Timothy 6, 6 17, who gives us richly all things to what? Not because you need it. He didn't just give it to you because you need it. He gives it to you to what? Oh, come on, look, somebody say, it's all right for me to enjoy my life. <laughs> oh, I, I, I feel some poverty spirits leaving here this morning. It is all, you, you can have a problem all you want. I don't have a problem with me enjoying my life. Now, you can suffer, you can go through, you can struggle, you can tell me, I don't need, I don't need, I don't need. Or you can realize God wants to bless me beyond my need. He wants to give me things not because I need it, just because I can enjoy it. The truth of the matter is the Ford Pinto will get you there or the Mercedes can get you there. But the ride might be more enjoyable. You can get on the plane. You can get in 36D. Or you can get in 2A. Both of them are going to get you there. But, but let me tell you, 2A is more enjoyable than 36D. And I just need to get there. You can get, but, oh, oh this, this is good. This is good. God, God doesn't just want you to be on your way to heaven. He wants you to enjoy the trip. <laughs> Somebody say, I'm on my way to heaven, and I'm enjoying the trip. Because traditional teaching tells you, well, you just got struggle, 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 suffer, 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 but one day you're going to get to heaven. No, on my way to heaven, I got some faith for some good things. Now, at the same time, I want you to clearly understand that you don't have to have good things to go to heaven. And good things don't make you any more saved or less saved than somebody else. Jesus said this, reminds us that a man's life consists not in the abundance of things that he possessed. He said, that is not what life is about. He said, don't think that that is what just salvation is about stuff. And people need to understand that too. So we got to keep this stuff in perspective. But when we go back to the creation, we see God created everything good. However, after Adam and Eve sinned, things turned around and turned bad because of the curse. Bad things happened and bad things came because of the curse. Did you get that? Bad things happened and bad things came because of the curse. And the curse came because of disobedience. The curse came because man stepped out of the parameters that God had given him. The curse came because man disobeyed God. And so we see the curse, Genesis 3, 16. He says to the woman, because, of the, because you've disobeyed me, and eating of the tree I told you not to, I'm going to greatly multiply your sorrow and your, and your conception. 
you're going to bring children forth, but, it's going, but you're going to bring children forth in pain. Now, there are people today who believe God, okay, who, who believe that they, they can have less of the curse or the curse reversed even in childbirth. Remember, faith works wherever you target it. And don't get mad because you're not willing to target your faith where somebody else is willing to target theirs because the just shall live by his faith. Okay? So once you see something, I need to catch this, once you see that something associated with the curse, you can believe beyond that. He says to Adam, because of the curse, this is the curse. To Adam, he said, because you heed the voice of your wife and you eat of the tree, which I command you not to eat, uh, you shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground for your sake, or curse is the ground because of you. And in toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. He said, he said you're going to be able to live, you're going to be able to eat, but because of the curse, y'all going to come up with songs that say, I work hard for my money, so hard for it, honey. I work hard for my money, so you got to treat me right. Okay? You, because of the curse, you're going to say, I've been working on a railroad. Y'all hear all these curse songs? Because of the curse, you won't come up with a song like, Nobody knows the trouble I see. All that's the curse. He said, you're gonna, you'll, you'll be able to live. It's going to be hard. You're going to toil. You're going to be struggling. And grinding, and this grinding I'm talking about, because it seems like we get, we get confused by that word, that the, this toiling, of, toiling is, is a lot of effort without production. Toiling is working hard but getting nowhere. Remember what, what Peter said to Jesus when Jesus, he met Jesus, and Jesus said, let out your nets for a big draught of fish. And he told Jesus, Lord, we have what? We toiled all night and caught nothing. Tarling is working hard with nothing to show for it. Oh, my God. God wants your work to be productive and fruitful and for you to enjoy good things from your labor. That's the word. I'm in the word this morning, y'all. He said, so because, of the, because there's going to be, and look at verse 18, you're going to have thorns and thistles you're going to bring forth, okay? Uh, and you're going to eat of the herb of the field. He said, in the sweat of your face, you're going to eat bread till you return to the, and it's going to be hard. You're going to be doing work you don't want to do. Oh, some of y'all are going to get mad at me now. It is the God kind of job is a job that lines up with your gifting, with your talent, with your ability, and with your passion. Let me say that again. The God kind of job is a job that lines up with your gifting, with your talents, with your ability, and your passion. Now, you may not start off there, but the goal is I'm going to have a God kind of job. Not a job that, oh, Lord, I got to go back there again. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, I almost can't enjoy church on Sunday because it's close to Monday. Lord Jesus, I got to go back there. No, that is not the will of God for your life. When you really tap into your God-giftedness, <laughs> what's hard for other people going to be easy for you? 
when you tap into the blessing of the Lord on your life, things will be easy for you to the degree that you're not toiling and sweating to get it done. All that because of the curse. And because of the curse, people start believing Murphy's Law. Any of y'all heard of Murphy? Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law is a concept that states that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And is often used humorously to explain and predict unpredictable and unfortunate events. Murphy's Law implies that no matter how carefully planned or prepared something is, there's always going to be a possibility of things not going as intended. It's also reminded to be prepared for, the, for unexpected setbacks and to always have backup plans in place. In other words, y'all, Murphy's Law, Murphy anticipates that things are going to go bad and be bad. Murphy does not expect good things. Somebody shout, Murphy and the devil is a liar. <laughs> God, don't want, God does not want you aspiring to Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law is not for believers. Let me shout it again. Murphy's Law is not for believers. Murphy's Law is the antithesis of how believers ought to think. Murphy's Law should not be the expectation, the outlook, and the principle that Christians, believers, and kingdom citizens live by. We ought to expect good things. Somebody shout, I expect good things. If you love our podcast and the impartation you gain from it, we encourage you to become an iChurch member. As an iChurch member, you'll get access to exclusive digital content as well as an online community and various small group sessions. To find out more, visit rdci.info forward slash iChurch. Connect with us for digital impartation weekly. Join Bishop Herbert and Dr. Marsha Bailey on Clubhouse for Marriage, Faith, and Family Inside Kingdom Business Network on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash rdcitv. We stream live services on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ladies, join us for Manifest on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time.